0: Hello, y'all. Welcome to this international edition of the football. We've got episode six here. We've got plenty of company here, and this time, not Nakamillo's studio setup, which is, of course, uh, fantastic, but we're at one of my houses, I guess you could say. But predominantly, this is pretty much well done, renovated. Very white, as you can see with the uh, ceiling, the walls, the cabinets, all the fixtures and stuff, but that makes for a very good... uh a lot of a nice flow and entrance of light with all the windows and stuff. So we've got a nice little background setting, both dogs with us. Well, we've got the little one here chilling that you probably saw maybe pop up five seconds into this. So she'll probably come up a little bit later for the sake of not moving the camera screen. But without further ado, it's Jared Johnston, Camille Yepes, of course, with this sixth episode of the Goal Hour. International Footy has been back. and It's been fantastic to see. We got a couple different things we're gonna dive into, but of course everyone wants to talk about the Euros and we do too, so we're gonna talk about
1: we're gonna talk about the Copa America later and maybe we'll probably touch on the Nations League and maybe we'll talk about our predictions for the Gold Cup. Maybe. Potentially. Maybe we'll put the Gold Cup stuff with Copa America, we'll see.
0: Yeah, that will probably be in the future episode, but one thing's for sure right now, looking at the Euros, we had predictions. We're going to take a look at the beginning of the tournament, how those predictions panned out, and then look at the round of 16, and then look at our predictions from what's actually here in the present day and what's currently happening. Um, So without further ado, like I just said. Let's start with our group A predictions. Group A. um, I'll start with myself. I had Italy winning, because Italy's actually my pick to win the Euros. Um, So this one, this next one failed catastrophically though i had turkey in second finishing with three losses in the tournament switzerland in third which i had correct and wales in fourth
1: Mm. the thing is i wanted wales to clutch i said italy in first turkey in second same as you now i said wales are going to clutch this wales aren't going to fail they're going to do so good uh which they did but they, they didn't get third, which is what I predicted. And yeah. then for fourth, I predicted uh, Switzerland, which I think I really underestimated them. I didn't know much about their roster. Um, I did watch them against the U.S. And I said, this is a good team. Not the U.S., the best team ever. But uh, I said, this is a very good team, the Swiss team. So I don't know why I put them in fourth. Uh, I think I was just really hoping Wales would win. And I I just predicted Turkey would do good because they have –
0: Objectively, they were the, probably the second best team when you think of, like, yeah. all the individual talent they had.
1: Yeah, uh, I think Wales are just... Uh, my prediction for Wales, or like, my, why Wales did so good, is they're a tight-knit group, uh, I'm assuming, and they're better, like, much... They're much better together. Mm-hmm. Maybe strategies with the coaches. I don't know the coaching stuff. They got stuff. to the
0: semis in 2016, so... There you go. Um, looks like they definitely have that culture again. Yeah. But, um... With that, Wales g- doing bids, getting to that second place. Obviously, Italy first, Wales second, Switzerland third, Turkey fourth for Group A. But group, got no points. Yeah, it was it was, it was it was awful to see. But um, moving forward to Group B, um, Camilla, I got that all right. What did you have?
1: You had everything right.
0: Yeah, I had Belgium, Denmark, Finland, and then Russia.
1: Well, I got Belgium, Denmark, Russia, then Finland. Uh, the thing with Russia is this is I'm I'm quoting this from Zealand because Zealand uh, said this, as well. Uh, famous YouTuber Zealand,
0: noted Tampa, Florida man.
1: Uh, he said, you know, Russia they're gonna have stero- they're gonna have taken steroids. They're not banned from this, so they're gonna be super energetic. They're gonna be aggressive, and they're riding off that high from their their run in the World Cup. So yeah, I think he had a fair point, and that's why I put them in third. Uh, I didn't expect Finland to do. As well as they did, uh, I think Finland did marvelous for their first ever competition. Uh, very proud of them, even though I'm not Finnish. <laughs>
0: yeah, no. When I looked at Finland, I thought they were better than Russia because they've kind of taken a bit of a downturn. They still have some of their World Cup talent, like uh, Fernandez, uh, Golovin, but they and Juba, of course, who was tremendous up front, but. Um, they lost their goaltender, I reckon if who kind of saved them with penalties and then other things as well. So I just thought, you know, Finland with Radecki and Puki, I thought maybe they could pull off something. And then, of course, their neighbors in Denmark, probably the p- better team besides Belgium out of those three. So those that was my rationale for it, and obviously Denmark slipping through in the end, that was probably one of the greater stories and talking pieces to think about, not just on this final deadline match day where there were essentially three teams in contention for either trying to clinch second and third in general, uh, as Denmark had four points, Finland had four points, I want to say as well. Um, Three. Yeah, three points. points. And then Russia with one. So, But, of course, Denmark, the huge storyline of the tournament was Christian Eriksson, People say collapsing, but we were watching the game, and he literally died for five minutes on the field. Like, they were performing uh, CPR and essentially pushing his chest in to try to push blood into his body because the heart stopped working because the muscles were not working at all. So he had cardiac arrest, and he was dead at that point because if they stopped doing that, he would have died because there was no blood flow in his body. Yeah, so I right. mean that was really tough to look Luckily, at. Luckily
1: he's okay. Yeah. Very fortunate he's okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and good for Denmark. I want to. They lost their star man not due to like something very sad, and they pushed through mentally yeah. as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I congratulate them with that.
0: They did very well. Yeah. Um, now should we move to Group C? Yeah, Group C, this was a very interesting group because it's probably arguably one of the easiest groups. Yeah, I got it all right. Yeah, I got everything correct. Well, you got it right. I was saying as far as like, skill-wise for the uh, Netherlands because we knew they were getting first. I tried to go for like different picks. I guess it was more favoritism on my end because, obviously, Ukraine has Zinchenko and my favorite player on their team, Ruslan Malinovsky place for Atalanta. Malibumski. Malibumski won City MVP in May with five assists and a goal. But, um, yeah, obviously Ukraine still gets through in third place. Austria, typical because that's kind of what you expected. I went for a little bit of a sleeper and flip-flopping them. So, of course, with that, those were my picks getting two out of four with like Netherlands in first, Ukraine in second, Austria in third, and Goran Pandev and North Macedonia
1: and good job for North Macedonia they did
0: mm-hmm.
1: well for this competition they faced the Netherlands and Austria and Ukraine, all three pretty big teams, not pretty big but yeah. not bad teams so um, congratulations to them for making it through uh, I'd, I'd say the, my prediction was all correct and I also predicted that Ukraine would clinch that third place spot one of the, the third-place spots, and they did. So, not surprised.
0: Yeah, they were definitely a reputable side. They're playing Malinovsky and um, Zinchenko in the midfield, which is an interesting look, but it definitely helps them. Like As far as midfield on the flanks, I mean. Milanovsky um, can play anywhere, but Zinchenko's obviously a left-back for City. But North Macedonia, I, again, big ups to them to be able to get something out of this competition. It's great for their nation. Goran Pandev, a former Inter Milan player, former championship yeah, who is now North Macedonia's youngest ever goal scorer in European competition at thirty-eight years old. Also, the only goal scorer in the European Championships for Northern Macedonia, and in this tournament, of course, notching, I believe, only two goals. I okay? think so. Yeah. So, I mean, great for him, great for the side, great to have that lasting impact. But, um, talking about an impact, I guess, that's been fading ever more. Croatia and Group D, obviously, they still clinch, but...
1: They got second, um...
0: Yeah, it's weird to look at.
1: I predicted that, as well as England getting first. Uh, I did swap my Scotland and, and Czech
0: Republic ones. It was incorrect. Yeah, those were the exact same picks I had, so... With that, it was England first, Croatia in second, Scotland in third, and Czech Republic in fourth. Czech Republic getting that 3rd place spot had four points. <laughs> um, yeah, for those of you that are listening, that is the dog. But um, for those of you that are watching, yes, you've seen her before. But, um... What were you saying? Talking about Czech Republic. Oh, yeah, they should be they proud. They were underrated, in my opinion, because not just Thomas Suchek and Kofals that play for West Ham, Patrick Schick has been one of the storylines of the tournament, up top, really carrying that side. But I thought, I don't know why I put them in fourth, because I do have confidence in them. I just thought that they, that Scotland would have a bit more, because they do have McSauce, Scott McTominay, Robertson, Tierney, Jay Adams obviously slotting in for that side. Um, it
1: was, They have a good... They have good players. I think
0: it was just a very unfortunate tournament for them. I mean, when you saw them draw against England, it was fantastic. Yeah, they, they weren't bad. They just weren't the best in the group. But maybe one of the killers, of course, was Billy Gilmore being sidelined. The positive test for COVID-19 yeah. uh, for that final game against Croatia. So, with that killing them I mean, in the end, Croatia does advance in that second-place spot. I mean, they definitely didn't look like their 2018 selves, obviously couple guys have moved down, like... Manny?
1: I'm not sure, but uh, Mandzukic wasn't Subisic, there.
0: sorry. Yeah, Subisic.
1: And Mandzukic wasn't there, uh, unfortunately, for them. Which they, I think they, yeah, they yeah. created a lot of opportunities that they didn't have a star striker to slot it
0: in for them. I feel like that's a big thing, because a lot of people say, oh, their defense isn't that good. And they have Vita, Shina Versalco, and Lovren back there. But they there. do
1: have G- that was, Gavardio,
0: yeah. which who is... Very exciting. But what I think is the main distinction to make is that was basically three-quarters of their same defense in the World Cup. So I didn't think that was a huge problem as much as it is not having that big guy that can finish those goals up front, whether you play through him as a target man or you try to make those runs into space. They don't really have a striker. Similar to the Netherlands in some respects. I think that definitely hurt them. But obviously they'll get through here. They'll try to go as far as they can make that lasting impact for that four and a half or so million people in Croatia. Big fan. I um, made a mistake. I did not live up to expectations in Group E either. If I was Croatian and I was one of the elite predictors of the world, they would not be proud looking at my Group E. I got every single one wrong. Same. Uh, I predicted
1: Spain first. And you see, the problem with that is I forgot about the existence of Álvaro Morata. I, I don't understand why the Spanish head coach... What's his name?
0: Um, Luis Enrique.
1: I do not understand why Luis Enrique consistently picks Alvar- Alvaro Morata to start. Play Feran- Fernando Torres. Or Ferran. Ferran
0: Torres. You don't Play make him. the mistake that ESPN hosted.
1: Start him. He's good. He'll, he'll score goals. And then... Put on Morata as a super sub. he also he might score goals. It, it's just unfortunate for them. Oh uh, they, they qualified, but they could have done better.
0: Yeah. I mean obviously they did get for they did not get first in the group.
1: Yeah, they, they got Sweden second got first in the group. Sweden got second go. because they have Alec Zak
0: who is Arguably a better fit than Ibrahimovic in that squad in my opinion. Honestly, doesn't have the finishing experience. I don't even know. If, I don't think he scored a a goal of this
1: competition yet. But I, he still did so many good, chances against
0: yeah. like Spain when they drew at nil nil. They had Sweden with the better chances despite having less possession. Yeah. And my picks for that. I guess getting back to where we're going with the general trend of our selections, I had Spain in first, Slovakia in second because I mistakenly thought this is. Just tough for y'all football hipsters, y'all. But um, yeah, this is what we say in the South. But people don't call Florida the South, but I've That's noticed I, I say that a lot. But um, I thought Luka Jovic was like Slovenian, and then I realized, oh wait, this is Slovakia, and then I realized, oh wait, he's Serbian. <laughs> so then the only player Slovakia has is Milan Skunar, which is like cool for them, but. Oh, and Marek sick. that's a throwback. So, like, yeah, I mean, I didn't get that right. But, I mean, good for them for at least doing something. Then Poland, that's a tough group for them because they got a lot of similar bouts against a Sweden team that's definitely better as a more complete team, like you said, about, like, some teams in the past. But, like, this Sweden team, I think, is definitely reminiscent of, like, a side that can play a more complete outfit kind of like a Denmark um, among others but um and Slovakia got third but they couldn't qualify for round of 16
1: yeah I had
0: fourth place for Sweden when they won the group so i mean i love it though cuz i'm rooting for them to go far but um, yeah what were your what was your order pretty much
1: mine was Spain Sweden Poland Slovakia and i wasn't super far off yeah uh, I just swapped the bottom two and the top, or the, the
0: top two and the bottom two. So. Yeah, so um, fitting to finish here with what happened, getting up uh, to the round of sixteen with our group stage predictions. Um, the group of death. Group of death. Group of um, age.
1: Now, starting out, I predicted France on top. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Then I predicted Portugal. What did you predict? Yep. Then I predicted Germany and then hung- Hungary.
0: Yeah, we got the same one.
1: So I I just want to say, beginning off this, Hungary had a great competition. They played mm-hmm. very well. Absolutely. Drawing, drawing against Germany, I think they scored a few goals against, was it
0: Portugal? Yeah, I think they drew 2-2. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, they uh, they lost against Portugal, oh. but they drew France. Yeah, that's what And was. that was very big. Throwing the world champions. Um,
0: I mean, they, they should be proud of their competition, but... I'd say what I loved most, Camilla, was them playing at the Puska Serena in Budapest. And they mm-hmm. had like 60,000 fans packed there, cheering on their side. I think that was one of the greater things to watch. And obviously the by odds against France is tremendous as well. But looking at the way this group finished, of course... With what we said about our orders, the only thing that flip flopped was Germany in second, Portugal in third. Of course, portugal is one of those third-place teams that will qualify. And they—they, they, to be honest, I feel Germany and
1: Portugal have had the same competition so far. They've yeah, play, like they've finished very similar. Uh, I think the difference would be Portugal have not had that well of a defense, that mm-hmm. good of a defense. Um, but they've had better attacks. To be honest, through penalties mostly. Like That's where I think they, they edge out on Germany.
0: Um, but Germany is, is just more consistent, I'm I want to say. One thing I want to say about Germany is I thought they were going to have another underwhelming tournament despite that victory that they got. I feel like they're still a team that doesn't have an identity. I feel like they're still very lost. And obviously... Think they'll have this complex similar to Dor, or to Moki Labak rather, with Marco Rose that we mentioned in a previous episode about those domestic finishes. Um, they know that their coach is leaving, so obviously you say you want to send them off with a last hurrah, but what does it do for you mentally, I guess? And what does it do for like what he's done? Because as far as his track record, after winning that twenty fourteen World Cup been extremely lackluster going out in the group stages in the World Cup. So I didn't expect them to do well. Now that they're in round of sixteen, it's tough because we look at the bracket and they're basically group H is slotted against itself. There's a top half that's extremely competitive and a lower half that's not competitive at all, I guess, but England does have an easy route if they do have the chance well, to go through. I mean, there's more on that later, but, uh, you know, just real quick before we get to that, the third place qualifiers: Portugal, oh. Ukraine, Czech Republic, and Switzerland. I predicted Wales, who
1: actually qualified, but Ukraine, who did go through, Scotland, who I should have swapped for Czech Republic, mm-hmm. and Germany, who I should have swapped for Portugal. So I think I got all the groups right... Yeah, I got all the groups right. I'm 90% sure. I just didn't get the right teams in those groups. Oh, yeah. So that was unfortunate for me.
0: Um, But, oh well. But now, like we said, going into the round of 16, um, top half stacked. Bottom half... mm, It's tough to see, I mean...
1: I'd say the bottom half has good teams. It's just, they're playing against each other. It's a thing. For example, Czech Republic and Netherlands. Mm -hmm. They're playing against each other. Germany and England, they're playing against each other. So, you're not gonna... You're gonna have bigger rounds of sixteens than you're gonna have um, Mm quarterfinals.
0: So, I guess looking at this, we will go from top to bottom... From each round going through our first matches, Belgium versus Portugal. Um, what did you predict?
1: I actually predicted Belgium. I'm
0: assuming you predicted Portugal. I am in agreement with you with Belgium because Portugal has had a lackluster tournament, and I don't think everything revolves around Ronaldo or Bruno Fernandes or one individual player. So I think they have been great capable players like Bernardo Silva and a couple of their Wolves guys as well, but. They haven't shown up. Ronaldo's the leading goal scorer, but he is, by the names of his internet trolls, Ronaldo in this tournament, scoring, I want to say, three penalties and two tap-ins. So it's not convincing to me, and then Fernandez has been terrible away from the spotlight, not being that player that the game revolves around. I feel like he hasn't learned how to monitor not being that centerpiece.
1: I'd say once he does realize he's not the centerpiece, Mm -hmm. Ronaldo will have retired.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and then he'll just be the centerpiece.
1: Yeah, Um, but I'd also say Ronaldo Ronaldo hasn't had a good tournament, but he's not a bad Mm play. We're not saying
0: he's bad. And it's hard to convert penalties, too. Yeah. So, that's not a criticism, it's just... Obviously, you do create chances off of penalties, but... It's, it's different. You need, you need open play goals. Yeah, it's not get.
1: like open plays bigger. Mm-hmm. It's more important. Yeah. But uh, what do you predict for Italy versus Austria?
0: This one's easy for me because like I said earlier in the episode, um, I predicted Italy to win it all. I saw a stat maybe like a few weeks ago, and it said ever since Bencini took over in to- 2018, I think he's gone like 20-something games unbeaten pretty much. Basically, they haven't lost under his tenure, and they still haven't because they finished perfect in their group. And I'm convinced by this Italy squad, I think they're very underrated with their attack. Obviously, have always had a tremendous defense. Have one of the best young, blossoming goalkeepers in Gio Donnarumma, who's a snake for going to PSG, in my opinion. But um, that's besides the point in international football. And their midfield, of course. Their midfield three. Uh, You think of Jorginho... Um, Verratti, for me, is a very key piece of that squad when he's healthy, and then they obviously interchange some other guys that have come through as well. So, Austria...
1: And their striker. Yeah. From Lazio. What's his name?
0: Yeah, they have Chiro Amoble, and then they also Amoble. have Insignia lining up from Napoli.
1: I like And then they bring in,
0: like, different guys on the and left. Insigne well. Yeah. But, um... Austria is, like... You want to see them succeed, but they yeah. can't. They can't do it, in my opinion, against this Italy side. They have Oliver. They have Washington Arnautovic. Him before people forgot about him because he went to China.
1: They have. Um, that's about it. That's the thing. They need. <laughs> they need smaller players to step up. Mm-hmm. Less or players with less reputation. Yeah. Because uh, they have a talented squad. I just don't know who it is because they don't have. A big reputation mm-hmm. um and the euros is a perfect opportunity for them to make a name for themselves
0: yeah
1: uh let's move on to france and switzerland
0: yeah it's a nice little uh rivalry of between uh, borders and stuff but yeah um, it's
1: for border rivals you're right
0: yeah and france obviously world champions oh same
1: I, with italy and austria sorry yeah
0: yeah i like i like i like it or i like switzerland not just as a place, but I do like their team. I've always think they like have the ability to go on a run, even this tournament too. But France is France. Yeah, they have who could quite possibly the, be the future Ballon d'Or winner in N'Golo Kante if he wins this tournament with France. Um, I think there's no stopping them at least in this round.
1: Uh, they also they have Pogba in playing for France. <laughs> Pogba playing for Man kidding, United versus Pogba playing for France is yes. very different. Oh, that is actually true. Fits, Pogba fits into the French system, whereas Ole is not willing to uh, tailor Man United absolutely into for Pogba, which is I find interesting. Just as a quick side note, I find interesting as he bought.
0: Oh, keep talking about
1: it. He bought Bruno Fernandez, and he kind of has Man United play around Bruno Fernandez. Mm-hmm. I think when you already have Pogba, you use Pogba um, instead of using instead of buying Bruno Fernandes. I mean, obviously it was a, a good yeah it was a good decision to buy him, but I think he could have saved money there. Yeah.
0: I think one of the big things, um, looking at it, obviously if you've listened to this podcast before, Jared Johnston here, I'm a massive Pogba hater. I don't think he's a bad player. I just don't think he's world-class, but um, I'll tell you, when Camillo said, I think I sent that to him, too, I was like, or I sent that to our group um, that does our USL League 2 Division 4 United States Men's soccer games. Um, For Tampa Bay United. Yes. Um, I was like, I've never seen Pogba defend like he does for France, for Manchester United. He was all over the pitch. Obviously, he's in a more central role sometimes, like Ole would just, like, put him wherever. But it's not even that. It's the passion he had to hunt down every ball and play for his teammates was unlike I have seen for United. And I just thought, like, I was like, wow, that's it's fantastic to see. I mean, I give him the credit when credit is due because it absolutely was due, and that's another key factor for France advancing. Croatia yeah. for Spain, on the other hand, mm. I like a lot of the individuals Croatia has, but... Even with Spain's struggles, you have to see them putting this one through, in my in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I, I think Spain will, will go through on this one. Um, A bit unfortunate if they don't. But I think Croatia's squad is just too... They're aging. Yeah. And they have younger players coming in. So I think that's... It's becoming more difficult for the squad's... For the squad to map mesh, because don't they have like a younger squad and an older squad who kind of butt yeah. heads a lot.
0: like you look at some of their younger guys, Mateo Kovačić, Mario Pasalic, uh off the bench, and then their older squad that's been there for a while would be starters: uh, Luka Modrić, Lovren, Sime um Perisic on the left side as well. Um, so I think it's definitely something that's different um that's tough for them to mesh but they finally eked out a result but i don't think they can do it against the spain spot side that like you said has struggled with alvaro marata which i like him as a player but he's not a finisher at that level like i think yeah. he's still a quality player but he has proven time and time again that he cannot be relied on to finish the chances that you get, whether it's a one, two, or three game. Honestly. You need to be guaranteed.
1: I'd like to see him play as like an attacking midfielder yeah. who doesn't... Like a playmaker, midfielder, attacking midfielder. Or maybe
0: you just play him... Don't play him as a sole striker. And I know yeah. it's a huge part of Spain's identity now, ever since Croix Barcelona, with playing the 4-3-3. Yeah. But... I feel like playing... Maybe... You play two holding midfielders and midfielders and have your attacking mid push up more or something, I don't know. But have a little bit more support, my opinion, because it's nice to stretch the field with your wingers. But Morata's left alone there doesn't it's help just, him yeah, out. Yeah,
1: it doesn't it doesn't work. But mm-hmm. um we're gonna see what Luis Enrique would do against France. And uh, maybe maybe or against Croatia, I'm sorry. Yeah. Maybe he can grind out a good result. Now, next is Sweden versus Ukraine.
0: Yeah, this is the bottom half of the table that we talked about being a little bit of the easier road, I guess, for some of the big teams. But Sweden-Ukraine?
1: Sweden is... I think Sweden's coming together and they're going to play better. They're playing better. And I think now this is going to be the start of not their golden generation, but of a a good uh, Sweden squad.
0: So not necessarily where they could be, but just even building towards it and yeah continuing. this,
1: this is gonna build this is going to help build them up. and I think a win against Ukraine is very possible, and if they do that that'll help their confidence and that'll help them well I guess it'll propel them to be one of the bigger sides in Ecuador, Ecuador in Europe in Ecuador in Europe
0: in Gran Colombia. <laughs>
1: So, um, yeah, that's big for them, uh, against Ukraine. I think they'll, they'll still make it through, Mm -hmm. because they have some good players. Uh, Ukraine does as well, it's just they're not... Yeah. I, I just don't see Ukraine winning this one.
0: No, yeah, I agree, and I said earlier in the episode that I'm big on Ukraine, I like their players, but Sweden's the more complete outfit, and I do think they have the ability to go far in this tournament, um... So I see them at least getting through to the quarterfinals, which with that, the draw against them, with our consensus pick, would be England versus Germany.
1: This is probably the biggest yeah game in, in the round of 16 right now.
0: For me, I feel like it's a level playing field because the way I looked at this bout is two teams that are still struggling with their identity. Yeah. And I see you see England obviously being overhyped by their own media in Germany,
1: as they at least are,
0: yeah, in Germany, rightly so, confused with their own identity, not necessarily having those outside pressures, they just had some struggles, past success, and I feel like with low leaving, it's kind of tough for them to kind of figure out their mojo when they know their coach is gone, and Hansi Flick is going to come in, but um
1: it's exciting though, it's- yeah.
0: It's exciting for German football because obviously they're a powerhouse and they have some great young players coming in. But with their lineup that they have now and what they've done, to me, it hasn't been convincing at all. One result isn't good. And granted, England on the other side, in my opinion, didn't have any good results in the group stages despite winning their group.
1: Two goals, both scored by...
0: None other than...
1: Raheem Sterling, who we don't like so mm-hmm. yeah but uh i don't see england they don't have a, a good striker they don't I'll, i'm just gonna tell the podcast this i hate harry kane for england
0: mm. i despise the man
1: harry kane for spurs love him
0: you're like that drake meme no nah.
1: no nah. harry kane playing for england not nah. harry kane playing for spurs
0: i'll make the thumbnail for our socials it's gonna be great
1: but uh that's the thing like so I don't. I don't even England like right now. Kane hasn't been playing very well. He's been trying to drop deeper to to get have England adapt to his uh, role in Spurs. Mm-hmm. His new role in Spurs, which I don't. Yeah, you're right. They're not meshing very well because you have Mason Mount or Phil Foden in that attacking midfield area, mm-hmm. who is also kind of doing the same role. Which for Spurs, you don't really have an attacking midfield who will do that. In mm-hmm. uh, Dombalay or won't really push like that. So um I think it's it, it would be better if Kane kind of tried to be more of a target man mm. than uh, like a deep line play
0: uh deep line forward, which is something he's done before, but you saw that his best numbers were under Jose despite the team's and collective struggles him being kind of that all-around dynamic player. But It's kind of weird because I basically, the way I phrase it is two teams that I'm not confident in at all, but you would think England is the lesser of the two. Maybe for you it is, but I have England taking it against Germany because Mm -hmm. when I saw some of their performances, um, most notably their first game, I want to say against France, did they draw?
1: I think so. We're going to go with a yeah for right now.
0: That was the most unconvincing game I've ever seen, the most dead backwards game. England had a game like that, too, against Scotland. But there was no life for me in that Germany side. And you think of the days of Mario Gomez playing as that key striker, and I think it's a similar predicament that Spain has and when you look at the Germany side. But even more so, I think it's just a whole collective issue of transitioning between different generations of players. And I, Despite thinking that England will not win this tournament, as you'll see in my future predictions, I do think they get past Germany in this round.
1: I, I don't. I see. I'll be honest. They haven't complained playing Werner, which is smart. <laughs> yeah. They have Timo. Team They have uh, Thomas Müller. They have Kai Havertz, who's been playing fairly well. He's scored mm-hmm. two goals already.
0: Yeah.
1: And they have Serge Gnabry. Serge Gnabry is is class. I think Serge Gnabry.
0: That's coming from a Spurs fan.
1: Yeah, it's coming from a Spurs fan.
0: About an Arsenal product.
1: About an Arsenal product. There you go. Sergio Navarri is wonderful. I think he, he could have been a... He could have been a Sunderland product. He'd still be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I think they have, like, a very strong front three with Sané as well. I didn't even mention him. Yeah,
0: he's coming off the bench for some games, too, but he's fantastic. He's
1: he's been swapping with uh, Müller as well. He swapped with Müller for this last game against Hungary. And Gosens has played very well. Um, And then you have Kimmich, who's exciting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gundion, who... I think this is his last tournament for Germany, I've heard. Yeah. But... uh, Gundyong and Cruz in the midfield were two world-class players. I think maybe their roles are a little too similar. Well, not similar. They just... I won't say they have egos, but they're, they're two like world-class midfielders. I think it's fair so, to say that
0: Kimmich is world-class too. The fact yeah. that he's played right back. He's playing anywhere in the midfield. And when Cruz retires from the team, he's basically going to be in that he's spot. Here. And if not, be better... In that spot, depending on how Hansi Flick plays.
1: But I, I still see, like, Gundogan and Cruz and probably don't have that good of a connection in the midfield, which will harm Germany in the long run. But um, I, I think that game against Hungary was just... They weren't... They were complacent, and yeah. they, they let them counter. They let Hungary counterattack, which was the problem. Um, they have a good defense... They have M- Manuel Neuer, so I mean, it was just unfortunate, I
0: think. Yeah, I mean, call Manuel Neuer, starting up at the one spot. He's been fantastic. Obviously, they have Turskigen and even more depth on the bench in other positions. But um, again, like you mentioned, Gosens, who won player of the game in that game where he got a bunch of assists. Um, in their, I believe they're routing over Hungary. Um, pains me to say that because I love Robin Gosman. one of my favorite players on Atalanta as well. Of course, everyone is, pretty much. But he's been really dynamic, starting on Germany, one of the world powerhouses. But I still have England taking it. He has Germany taking it. Split on that. Maybe we'll be split on this one, too, Camilo. It's Netherlands versus Czech Republic. Ooh. Who do you have?
1: Tell me who you have first. Tell me who you have first. Czech Republic okay, going okay. through. I have Netherlands. I I want Czech Republic to go through, but I still think Netherlands have very good strikers mm. with uh, yeah. Depay. And they have just all around. They don't have as much depth due to injuries. Um, and what's the other... Um, that Ajax product, she's not playing. Let's not see. Van Der Beek, the other. Not Van Der Beek, the other. Uh... Oh, no, he just missed the Ukraine game. I'm sorry. But I still see this Netherlands squad as, like, I'm more confident in them than I am in the Czech Republic. Not the Czech Republic's team is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, just, I just think it's down to quality, and I see Netherlands as having more quality.
0: Now, let me offer this as a rebuttal, because I don't dispute the Netherlands' individual talent but a lot of the things we've said about teams that we think won't succeed is that they don't have a natural striker. And that's one of the things I want to highlight, of course, with Memphis Depay playing as that 10. I don't like the look because then they're playing... A f- they're, of course, when I talk about a Cruyff in Barcelona, 4-3-3 for Spain, Cruyff, the Dutch player, helping author that formation. They have some really nice wingers, though. You think Quincy Promis has been fantastic for that Dutch side. But I think they've looked shambolic, the fact that they that had to squeeze out results in one of the easiest groups in this tournament. I think their first or second game, they had a draw where they nearly... they basically clawing their way back. And I watching that game, I'm not convinced at all by the Netherlands. And so what does that say for Czech Republic, on the other hand? Um... I think they're a team that can stay compact. They're a team that can invite pressure. And then try to create chances with Patrick Schick, who's obviously the sole striker. (coughs) Bless you. Thank you. Anyone who said bless you, thank you. Yeah. Who will play as the target man. So he's going to... He has that physical body. He's able to hold the ball up. And obviously my big guy is, of course, Thomas Suchek in the midfield. He's going to work wonders around that midfield. But the thing is, people have been raving about Jardim Walnaldum and Dijon in the Dutch midfield as being some of the best players in the tournament. But I'm not convinced at all by the team on the collective.
1: I believe in Walnaldum.
0: Yeah, and I think they've just underwhelmed severely, in my opinion. They needed to have a much, much better turnout. And lastly, to quote one of your favorite managers of all time, Frank de Boer, one of the worst managers in Premier League history, worst record ever, zero wins, zero draws, seven losses, worst in history. Jose. Stop. And now you expect him to coach that Dutch national team. Jose. And I expect. dead. I expect that exact same outcome for Czech Republic pulling through. Camilla, the opposite with Netherlands, in the end, getting to the. Uh, basically the quarterfinals. But um, nice to move on now to yep. our last match in the round of 16. This is a fun one as well. Uh, Wales versus Denmark.
1: Ooh,
0: I got Wales. And I have Denmark. Oh. I, I, I don't disagree with your pick, though. I think it could go either way. But um, just real quick, looking at Denmark. Again, I think they're a really good, disciplined, collective side. And... I don't think Paulson really gets the job done and some of their strikers. I don't think they're really that strong, but I do think they have a really strong framework around Casper Schmeichel, their defense with Champions League winner Christensen, among others, the midfield with Thomas Delaney, uh, PEH, P-E-H Pierre-Emile Um, I think they can pull that through, try to isolate Bale on that far side, and Ramsey, obviously a catalyst in the midfield. Um... I do think they have more talents, despite you know maybe not being as rambunctious and as popular as Gareth Bale, and that doesn't discredit the fact that Wales have guys like Ethan Ampadu obviously stepping up as well. But I think Denmark definitely grind out a result here.
1: Wales, uh, Gareth Bale isn't. In, he isn't. Twenty eighteen. He isn't mm-hmm. 2014. 16, Gareth Bale. He's in so.
0: bicycle kick winning the yeah. Champions League, Gareth Bale.
1: So, it'll be very hard, but I think Wales will still edge out on top of uh, Denmark in a very hard-fought game. Um, so, I see this as a Welsh victory. We forgot to put in the scores, or predictions for
0: scores. Oh.
1: Yeah, so... I mean, I guess oh, we don't uh, have to, do it. Yeah, yeah, it's too late now. Um,
0: we'll just do that for the final. We'll probably have... Yeah. As a teaser for our next episodes in the future, we're going to get into Copa America stuff, like we said, among other things, and potentially a live Euro final of the 2021 Euros. Maybe. Um, But we're working on that, obviously. Um, Maybe even some live views of a preseason tournament where Inter Milan, Everton, or Arsenal could be playing. Maybe even Millonarios. But um, back to the matter at hand basically got through it all in the round of 16 and that leaves us with 8 teams predicted
1: we have different teams though so uh...
0: but I think for the first round yeah. I think we got yeah. pretty much equal Belgium versus Italy Yeah. for so. who we got in but for me I'm picking Italy to win this one
1: I want Belgium to win but yeah I, I'm seeing Italy win this
0: I don't doubt Belgium at all either I love Yuri Tielemans on that side obviously big fan of him on the show does here does Castagne play? Castagne is also playing on the outside
1: Castagna. Castagna. Yeah. yeah.
0: But, um, so they have a lot of nice young guys complimenting that golden generation that's obviously fading away at yeah. some point. But, um, I, again, I'm convinced by this Italy squad. Um, uh, I've said that they're going to be champions, and I guess that's a teaser to my final prediction. Yeah. But, um, I'm fully on board for them winning out this tournament. So I have them going through.
1: I, I see them going through. I, as the, uh, the people, the players we, we talked, touched on before. Italy, they have class, um, mm-hmm. and I see that class c- coming shining through in the round or in the quarterfinals mm-hmm. uh, against a very hard fighting Belgian team.
0: Yeah, so next year, I have France and Spain, we also me too. France yeah, I have France and Spain. So we're pretty much almost like here at the top half of the uh, bracket, bottom mm-hmm. half probably going to change a little bit, but um, France and Spain, <laughs> this is easy. France goes through. Yeah,
1: yeah. Spain just don't have that confidence, <clears throat> as we talked about before. They don't have that identity either. So, it's... it's Well, they have this identity they're trying to stick with, but they don't have mm-hmm. these players yeah. who fit into this identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the biggest problem. Luis Enrique is kind of trying to force this.
0: That's articulated perfectly, Camille, the fact that they're so... Hell bent on trying to stick to a four-three-three, when I think it would really suit them to try something different, to play around the players, not force them into the system. It's like yeah. when you say, like, try and I guess I've, I believe I've said this in prior episodes for lack of a better term, trying to grind something into a hole that's too small, mm-hmm. it just doesn't work.
1: I think for for club football it works a lot easier because you can sign and sell players to yeah. fit into your system or you can build a, a system around the players you already have yeah whereas with international managing you kind of already have to build a system already over the players that you have mm-hmm. maybe you can swap in some good players for players who are pretty good to put yeah. into your system but i don't think spain have like the depth for that
0: yeah, and then moving on to our bottom half, we both had Sweden. Yeah, um, um, you had Germany. If you
1: yeah, I have it. Germany. You have England.
0: I had Sweden versus England. So I guess for the sake yeah. of branching off to my own bracket here, I have Sweden beating England, advancing to the semifinals. Alexander Izod's gonna do bits.
1: <laughs> I was in a um a locker room call. Uh, there's an app called Locker Room where people talk about sports with some people. And this guy, there was a guy, a random guy, who was predicting Sweden to get into the quarter, into the semifinals. No way, that's
0: what yeah. I have.
1: <laughs> Which is, hey. Um, no, I see Germany that's pulling it. out, pulling through. I think Germany will get the confidence after that round of 16 game against England, who are like on the same par as them, and I think they'll smash Sweden.
0: I'd say if I still had Germany... If they had another great performance with Gullsons carrying, I mm-hmm. love Gullsons, then yeah, I guess they could beat Sweden, but I'd still honestly pick Sweden as my sleeper pick mm. and to beat Germany. But I'd put in my this. scenario, of course, I have England edging out two teams with a, in transition phases. Um, then England, I think, in general, is just a subpar team. Harry Maguire starting on defense is the biggest crime known to man here. When you have Tyler press. Mings... Tyrone Ming's a natural left-sided center back and slotted with John Stones. Much more mobile, has the size. The only reason Harry Maguire is there because he's a price-type merchant. Uh, you guys know our opinions on Harry Maguire.
1: Your opinion, manly?
0: Yeah, mainly mine. Uh, regurgitated on this show. But um, I think it just plays into more the how overrated England is in their own media. How and their many own other lines. center backs did they call up? Just the three? Um, I want to say they have one more. Oh, um, ben, ben White. White. Yeah. I would to say. go to Arsenal for fifty yeah. million for Brighton, which is Wait, he is.
1: Is that confirmed?
0: Not confirmed, but it's probable to happen.
1: I'm upset because I liked Ben White.
0: I think fifty million is too much to pay for him, though. So I, I would be okay with not paying
1: for him. I think if Brighton want to stay up, they should keep Ben White. Uh, yeah. I don't. If it were England versus Sweden, I could still maybe see Sweden, uh, England pull through, but mm-hmm. most likely Sweden because England do have quality. Yeah, the, Gareth Southgate. Gareth South Southgate just doesn't know where to use
0: it. I mean, yeah, people look at his twenty eighteen run and think he also had the easy path. So I mean, he, what happens in this one?
1: He didn't have an easy path. I think he just lucked out because Colombia deserved the win.
0: Yeah, people yeah. consider Colombia easy, but obviously. <sighs> Jeez. Obviously, we have a Colombian national team fan, so well, we now don't... they're now they're easy. Yeah, but before, so we don't discredit their talent in twenty fourteen or twenty eighteen, rather.
1: Yeah, um, but um, it's still I, I still see. If if it's against England, then I see Sweden winning. If it, if it's against Germany, I see Germany winning.
0: Yeah, but um, going further now, Czech Republic versus Denmark. Mine is the opposite. Netherlands versus Wales. Oh. So, I'll I'll let you go first, then. What do you have Uh, of that?
1: I see Netherlands going through. Wales just... I I don't
0: see them going to the semis. If I had Wales against Netherlands, I would pick Wales, not just because they got there in 2016. It would be such a storybook thing. But I think they'd be capable to upset the Netherlands. I'm not big on the Dutch side. i picked them as a sleep... Did I have in the Netherlands? Yeah, I had Czech Republic over Netherlands. So, obviously, if they do get a win, which is probable, to be honest, despite my sleeper pick, um, I do think that if you look at that other side that could definitely route them to victory, would be Wales to pull off the upset.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But um, for me, it was Czech Republic versus Denmark, the opposite draw. And as much as I want to pick Patrick Schick and Czech Republic to continue going through, which would be a miracle, Denmark, I think, is realistic and to get there. So it lines up a semifinal for me, where Sweden and Denmark play each other in the semifinal, which is like, it's kind of unthinkable, and it probably wouldn't happen. But we were talking about this bottom half of the group. And when you look at the advanced sides that have advanced, really, or getting results, if I didn't pick teams for losses, one of England and Germany is going to get knocked out. Mm -hmm. And then there's the Netherlands. So, Mm -hmm. realistically, it's two teams that are kind of struggling to find consistent results in Germany and England. Despite what you see on paper for England, they are not getting good results. Um, And the Netherlands, who is also under the worst coach in Premier League history in Frank DeBurr, and not really convincing in my book. So, even if you had that, I'd have at least one of those teams going through. So, in my opinion, it does make it realistic that those teams get through because they don't have to play through those teams. So, I do have a Sweden Denmark semifinal. But now, moving back to our entire draw here. Wait,
1: so who do you have for. Um, you had Sweden beat. Or you had Denmark beat um, Czech Republic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay.
0: And I had Sweden beat England. Mm. But for the semifinals at the top of your group, or top of your table, rather, you have, I assume...
1: Semi I thought you said quarterfinals. Uh, no, yes. I have Italy versus France. Who do you have?
0: Italy versus France as well, and... Okay. France, it could go either way, in my opinion. Yeah. But, like I said, I've picked Italy again.
1: And, you know, the guy who does... On TikTok, it's actually nine. from yeah, Cavilin. Yeah. He's from Italy, uh, but I I see this France. I see this as a France one.
0: I couldn't I couldn't deny it either. I mean, I think both of them would be really good picks either way. Yeah. And um, it just so happens that I'm on the Italian boat to to go for victory. I'm
1: not I'm, I'm not a big fan of France, but I see them winning.
0: Yeah, but obviously, they're definitely the probably the favorite in this match. Mm-hmm. even with Italy's success so far. But um, yeah, split on that one. But obviously now we'll go back to the bottom half of the the bracket where we're basically completely different. So yeah. it depends I Germany, on our situation.
1: Germany versus Netherlands. You
0: have uh, Sweden, Sweden versus, versus Denmark, <laughs> Denmark, which is also great because when you look at the scoreboard on television, it'll be Sweden <laughs> or it could be Denmark. Oh unless, my goodness! Unless they choose to be stubborn and switch it up, but well, I don't think I think they do Sweden, so that'll be cool.
1: And we have nine f- percent on your computer.
0: Yeah, around five percent. I'll go get a battery or something. All right.
1: Like that. So also, Russia has that with like Belarus, I think, um, or another team, where either way, it'll, it'll be either country's name. Yeah. So I see. Actually, let's start with you. Who do you see winning this? So Denmark Sweden, or Sweden,
0: Denmark. I like Sweden because they have more of an ability to score mm-hmm. with Izak up top. Uh, Mil Forsberg, one of those veterans that's kind of playing in behind in a less advanced role. So I, <laughs> it's crazy to say, but I have Sweden advancing to the final of the year twenty twenty one. Because they don't have to play through any big teams. And I think looking at their group, I the, after winning their group, I think they have the ability to create chances. Obviously, Alexander Isak wasn't a, the best finisher. But that just goes to show if they were able to put up seven points, imagine what they could do if they get all of their chances. So that puts them through against a Denmark side that's basically berated without uh, mm-hmm. and rattled without Christian Eriksson. I mean they've valiant effort to get that. as far as they could. I'd see that, and it that would also as... be a great derby. But I think it's realistic in my situation that Sweden does get to the final. Yeah, in your
1: in your situation, I could see Sweden going to the final.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Germany versus Netherlands, I still see Germany going through because, as you said before, uh, Netherlands are are going to have issues with their attacking. Yeah. As well as their um, their manager, he was the worst manager in Premier League history. Even mm-hmm. though he didn't like manage a super good team, I don't know who he managed. Probably not a super good team.
0: I don't know, but he, I think it was Fulham. But, by, um, by the by the looks of his record, it must have been worked for Roman Abramovich because he got sacked after seven games.
1: Mm. But um, I see Germany going through because at this point they have their confidence back. Um. Maybe they've, they've found some of their identity now. Yeah. And uh, even though they, they're playing with the, the same manager,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, they're going to go to the final. I think they're going to go for glory and try to help their manager.
0: I think it's definitely a fair assessment, for mm-hmm. sure, um, with the way you have it, just as you said with mine, which is more <laughs> mine, of course, more peculiar. But um, now we go to our finals, and mine's Italy versus Sweden which would be unfortunate for uefa because they probably wouldn't want a final with such a lopsided event because it kind of breaks away the suspense because obviously as i stated i want italy to win and i think sweden can get far as my pick but they won't get through italy in my opinion italy is the best team in this tournament still i hold that true to my heart hopefully i don't jinx it but um make easy work of Sweden just because they have the individual talent and skill to put, combine a team together, have a great team chemistry, whereas Sweden has that team chemistry, but they just don't have as much power as Italy does. So I have Italy winning the Euros. Yeah, I would... Against Italy, Sweden in the finals.
1: Italy would beat Sweden in, in that scenario. And then for you is... I want to check the table really quickly because I have the last world champion's France go up against the world champions before them in uh, Germany. And the two teams who topped the Group F table, I have it, France versus Germany. Um, I'd, I'd see France winning this one off of a hard-fought game. Um, and... I. Uh, you could also see this in the in the first game of uh, Group F. That France just seemed to be more confident. Seemed to have more quality than um, Germany. So yeah, I, I see this as a France win. Um, but I, I mean, they have more talent. They have more... They have Pogba playing for France, who's insane. They have N'Golo Kante. So you see... And they work, they have such a good dynamic together as well. Their entire team. Uh, Benzema recently had his first goal after coming back to the France squad. Uh, Hugo Lloris is not as good as he used to be, uh, for example, in the last World Cup, but he's still very good. Um, so I still see this as a France win. Uh, but Germany does have a good shot in there. That's what I'm going to say about Germany. Germany does have a good shot if they make the final uh, against France.
0: So with that, your final Germany against France, and France I agree France. that they have a good shot because they have creative, a lot of creative players. For me, the complex with them was, I don't think they've been able to find an identity. But even if they do, like you have France routing it against Italy, I do think France is the favorite to win just because. Obviously, they've proven it in the World Cup, and they've been able to continue to work wonders with their side. So they're a really nice tight-knit group, which is weird to see their look under Deschamps, because you think of an all-out attacking side like PSG, and then you put Mbappe into a lineup where you play a lot more of a reserved game, a lot more of a two-way game, whether it was a 4-4-2 or sometimes a 4-4-1-1 in different situations. So... It's a really simple way to play for that French side, but they've been really effective and I think that team emphasis has been basically able to rejuvenate that side with all of the individual talent that they have. The, thing, on. the thing
1: I like about Deschamps mm-hmm. is that he's able to adapt to different situations, which a lot of international coaches uh, managers cannot. Mm-hmm. So I think this is something that is exciting for France. Uh, and I think this is something that... they're going to take advantage of in the Euros. With such a good squad... with such a an adaptable like manager.
0: I mean, the fact that... alone, that you bring in Benzema... is not just a team issue, but... like a literal social issue in your locker room. You bring back a guy that was suspended for four years. Put him back into the lineup... after he calls your old starting... World Cup winning striker a go-kart. So, I mean... That's another thing to navigate, but they've been able to work through it in different ways. Use Giroud for different ideas. Use Benzema for different ideas, fresh from the get-go when he's starting. Giroud's obviously been effective as a sub playing his role as well. So I definitely like that adaptability. That's obviously huge in the European game when you really, a lot of it's just one and done knockout games. So you have to find a solution right away. But um, With that, that pretty much accounts our Euros. I have Italy winning it all. I have France winning it all. And we had anything else to talk about on the international stage, um, at all?
1: Mm. Oh. Nations
0: League. Yeah, I guess that deserves a quick shout. It also is under the UEFA umbrella. Like the I UEFA? said before. The UEFA. UA- oh, FIFA? no, no. I the the
1: CONCACAF Nations oh, League. Oh, okay,
0: CONCACAF. Yeah, yeah. we're going to give a U.S. men's national team a quick shout with it. Um... But yeah, going to other competitions such as Copa America, Gold Cup, among others, uh, we'll get to in the next episode. Um, we're going to wait for a couple like the brackets to release uh, with that. So obviously, our Euros talk ends. A little bit of a new talk begins. We'll touch on it quickly here. U.S. Men's National Team getting the job done. I believe this is their first major tournament trophy in history. No, it's, it has to be. I mean, no, they won, the won the Gold uh, Cup. They
1: won the Gold a Cup. Major, yeah, Gold Cup, yeah.
0: Gold Cup counts, I guess. The
1: Gold Cup's bigger than the Nations League. I'd Gold say except Cup. What for is this Gold season. Cup? It's just North America. It's it's just the North American Euros.
0: But isn't the you're, you're, isn't the Nations League also just North America?
1: Yeah, the Nations League is the North American Nations League. Because so the Nations League is also in Europe. Oh. They have a European Nations League, they have a It's so like it the like US Nations
0: plays League? the Nations League winner and
1: no, no. It's, it's just like the, the Nations League. Um, they're just two separate competitions,
0: sounds but they're like the, the most, same like format. Sounds like the most useless thing ever. Yeah, it's,
1: I think they just want it to be more competitive for international teams.
0: To me, it's weird, though, because then this, the Gold Cup is the same, I guess. But without yeah. further ado, let's move on to the subject of interest, despite my misunderstanding of what the Nations League actually is. The US United won. States won. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: I don't think it was at all convincing in my opinion when we watched it. That was a tough watch.
1: Yeah. But I was I was happy with the end result. sure. Goal. Yeah.
0: But uh, that gives me no that gave me no confidence in Greg Ralter as a head coach for the United ex- States yeah. national team. When you have to make changes to try to give a little bit of a spark to your squad and you put Tim Weah at essentially a left backslash left mid role, when he's a striker. Makes absolutely no sense to me. He had another questionable move that I can't recall, but that was one of the main ones I remember.
1: He played a uh, legit. He played. Yes,
0: anyone that's in the MLS. Sorry, MLS people.
1: Well, except for except for um. The, I forgot his name. He's a younger player. Uh, he did alright. I think he was a wing back. I don't remember. Oh. He was alright.
0: Yeah. yeah, it was fine.
1: He was like the only, but um. We except
0: very few MLS players.
1: <laughs> like LeJet and uh,
0: the other MLS players? Jackson Ewell, the next and Michael Yule. Bradley. Get him out of here. Get they him out.
1: Aren't, they just aren't... Get away. I guess maybe you could say you need experience, but...
0: No. He's 24 years old playing the worst team in the league. San Jose Earthquakes. Get it out. Kick it out. Kick, Kick it, it out.
1: Oh, the other guy was from Colorado
0: Rapids. Oh, I forgot his name, though.
1: Yeah, um, he did... all oh, right. So that was pretty good for mm-hmm. like that was a, a good that we won, but yeah. And I think the the referee made good calls mm-hmm. with both the penalties, um, and you also saw Giorena score a very nice goal, um, and Jesús Corona's goal I think almost shattered the U.S. confidence, but I think the players were resilient enough to keep playing that super hard. Uh, which got them the result?
0: I think the biggest... Yeah, obviously it's good to grind out results because, like to say, a team has to learn how to win, right? Even mm-hmm. if they're the worst team in a game, you're the better team mm-hmm. with the scoreline in the end. Nothing else matters. But um, the biggest surprise for me was Diego Llanes from um Mexico. Reese Kaplan, new guest of the show, and... Fellow USL League 2 commentator said he's basically like messy out there in that messy-esque role for Mexico. And I absolutely agreed with him at 20 years old playing in La Liga for Real Betis. So, I feel like if you're Mexico you're disappointed because you think you were the better team. I agree that they were the better team in the game. But, um, they weren't clinical enough in the end. Obviously, Guardado missed the penalty with Ethan Horbath Ethan coming on. But, um, yeah, I mean, the main problem, I guess, was Greg Baralter's lack of tactical knowledge because he tried to be flexible and make changes, and they didn't do anything. It was almost just on a whim. And he's and had this he, problem before. Yeah, and then he didn't have a great striker. Again, Daryl DK wasn't in the lineup, of course, because he was playing with Barnsley, but Josh Sargent had sucked for every single game we watched, and... Um, definitely thought you should have at least gotten an odd after that semifinal thing. Same thing when you look at Spurs in the Champions League final, when uh, Spurs was...
1: Lucas Moura, yeah.
0: Yeah, Lucas Moura and Harry Kane. Not that Josh Sargent's an injured player, but he basically was ineffective. But um, Daryl D. K. coming back in other international competitions is nice to see, and I definitely think that does solve their problem as getting a striker that's Big enough to play as a target man, but has that speed to get it behind. Proving it at UVA, proving it with Barnsley, proving it with Orlando City. He's basically the next Josie Altidore for this United squad. Right? Yeah, and he's gonna be even better. So I mean, hopefully the yeah. future is bright for this squad. But plenty of mistakes I think they committed. I think they definitely could have done much better. Mm-hmm. So
1: the players weren't. Super convincing. Yeah. But they were... I'd say
0: the fact though is that if it's disappointing that you do win against Mexico, I mean it is a positive to say what else can they do from here. Yeah. But You're right, yeah. the um, negative aspect is that Baralta is the man in charge to do I so. think
1: you even saw that when he was uh managing the second tier of Sweden. I heard he got sacked because he didn't play attacking minded football. hmm uh, as well as... And, and that season after they, he left, after he got sacked, the season after that team got promoted to the first year of Sweden, Swedish football. Uh, and then with Columbus Crew, he's managing, and uh, the next season, the the team win, wins the supporter Shield, I think. Or did they win the MLS? I forgot which one.
0: But, um, I haven't kept up with it. I think they won the playoff yeah. one.
1: I th- yeah, so they won the MLS itself. Um, which is... I, it's kind of a testament to how like he can pick good players, he can get good players, he just doesn't play them where they should be playing. He doesn't, and his tactics just aren't fluid mm-hmm. enough or he's adaptable but his adaptations aren't very smart, they aren't very effective mm-hmm. and I think that's his problem as a manager.
0: Yeah, I honestly don't see him doing much going forward in my opinion. I think it's very what you said about him in Sweden not playing attacking football, there are good defensive coaches, such as Mourinho, that still has a counter attack. Obviously that only works with specific players as we've seen at Spurs, as far as defensive wise, but when you think of more attacking minded coaches or balanced coaches that say that you should play a normal game or a traditional sense of football is that you shouldn't play not to lose. You should play to win. And honestly, I guess that kind of applies to Beralta's U.S. squad because it didn't even look like they were playing for either. It didn't even look like they were playing at all against Mexico. It was soulless, in my opinion. But um, they were, of course, having to try to play to not lose against Mexico when they got the penalty when they were down. They basically only got a few chances to be able to capitalize on. But that goes back to the other point of that point, which is, of course, you should be playing attacking-wise to play to win. When you have all these young American talents that are going to be speedy on the flanks, to be able to dictate play if you allow them and give them the confidence to do so, which is, I think, something that they need to employ, um, hopefully sooner rather than later, considering they will need to do that for the World Cup. I think that's... Something that's huge going forward is establish that Beralta is in or he's out. With a lot of fans, they don't think he'll get the job done. Should they waste the World Cup in doing so? my opinion, no, but it's tough to pull the trigger on sacking him if he's won Won. a major trophy.
1: Well, I mean, that wraps it
0: up, right? Yeah, that pretty much wraps everything up we got here for episode six in season one of the goal, I worry. thank you so much for tuning in to this one, it was a great European special, probably one of the most interesting ones we've had, because it's that time of year, it only comes around really every two years, if you count World Cup and Euros interchanging as some of the major competitions, and yeah, I mean, we had our predictions somewhat <laughs> different as we got towards the tail end, which is exciting as we try to navigate our way through it, we'll obviously have more episodes talking about those results, and I guess, more previews, I guess, seeing how our predictions went. Uh, Had a little bit of the U.S. national team talk as well, and we'll get into what they have done and what the rest of the Americas have been able to do with a new episode uh, coming in the coming days once we get some of the draws and some of the results that we'll be able to see. So obviously, we'll become more well-rounded with world football with all the international draws. Obviously, this was just a Euro special, But stay tuned to our socials to see highlights, where to access this, if you're watching on video or any of your streaming platforms for podcasting. Check our socials again, like I said, for updates on that future episode, among others, we'll be tuned to international football. Until it ends, pretty much, that's when season one will be over. But with the goal hours, Jared Johnson and Camilo Yepes, thank you so much for tuning in.
1: Ciao.